Welcome to this episode of the Engineering Project Management Podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping project managers sharpen their PM skills. In today's episode, I am thrilled to be able to talk with one of the probably most experienced project managers out there in the industry today. Gary Hamilton is a Senior Vice President and USA Healthcare Director at WSP, one of the nation's largest engineering and infrastructure firms. And Gary, what he's going to talk about here in this interview is something that's really important in project management, which is being well-rounded as a project manager. As a project manager, you have to handle so many different things from clients to all the components of your project. You have to deal with the some of the supply chain issues we have going on today. You're managing people, right? There's so much to do as a project manager. So he really talks about how you can develop yourself in all these different fields and how he did it himself. Before we dive into our conversation with Gary here, I do just want to let you know that at the Engineering Management Institute, we do offer project management development programs and training for your soon-to-be new or existing PMs. We have some of our own program that we can bring to the table to help you, or we have a team of learning specialists and we can work with your firm to design and deliver and also market to the industry a flagship PM program for your firm. If you're interested in learning more about that, you can visit our website at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Just click on the contact button or just give us a call. 800-920-4007. That's 800-920-4007. Let's jump into our conversation with Gary Hamilton. Now, I'd like to welcome our guest on to the show today. Gary Hamilton is a Senior Vice President and USA Healthcare Director at WSP. Gary, welcome to the Engineering Project Management Podcast. Thank you, Anthony. Gary, just to get going here, in your own words, tell our audience a little bit about yourself, your role as a group leader, as a healthcare director. Talk about that. WSP is a really uh, large company. We're about approximately about 65,000 employees worldwide. We do work from uh, transportation, you know, to property and buildings. So um, anything to do with high-speed rail, bridges, um, roadworks. My specialty is property and buildings. So that's to deal with all building design, whether it's a commercial, you know, healthcare, science and technology, and those business. My specialty is healthcare. I lead healthcare for the U.S. Uh, and also part of the global um, healthcare team as well. And we design and build hospitals on a daily basis. That's our daily job. That's what we do. Um, we love, I love doing it. It's it's my passion in really providing healthcare for the population. And really um, one of my drivers to have equitable healthcare for all. So that's something that I push a lot in term, terms of the project that we seek and, and a lot of the projects that we're currently doing. It's great to have a kind of a mission and a purpose like that as an engineer. I think it can be really beneficial in terms of keeping yourself going and keeping your team going. Gary, you have more than 25 years of experience in the design field. You're working a lot in healthcare facilities these days, USA, Canada, Europe, the Caribbean. For those wondering, what does a healthcare director do? What are some of the responsibilities on a day-to-day basis that you have? And I'm sure there's many, but talk us through some of them. I'm required to set out the strategic direction of healthcare. What are we going to achieve in the next four to five years? And you know, what are we going to achieve in year one you know, to year five? That means... Um, at this point, managing 26 offices um, nationally, which is a lot, but also having 
different regional directors who support me in my, in my mission and what I'm doing. I try to make sure that we're ahead in terms of all project uh, leads and project pursuit, especially for larger pursuits, making sure the team is, is making all the connections with the clients and all the stakeholders part of um, such projects. Managing the day-to-day activities in terms of um, making sure we have the right staff available for the right projects, we bring the right staff to bear for the projects um, all over the country. Looking at you know people management, making sure that we're retaining you know our staff, which is a, a challenge in this environment. So that's and also attracting great staff to really help us to push our and help our strategic growth that we're trying to do. And our average, we're doing a ten percent growth. We're aggressive in acquiring companies as well who have similar culture um, to WSP for healthcare. We've done that successfully um, with the acquisition of Leach Wallace about four years ago and also for TK1SC in California as well. So encompassing a whole lot of tasks, and uh, I do have a a great team that support me as well in this effort. I mean, you have a pretty deep technical background. You have a bachelor's degree, master's degree in engineering. You've got a lot of credentials to your name. You've been involved in the design of projects, as I said, for a long time. But now you're in a position that is heavily, you know, a leadership position. Like you said, you're thinking strategy, long-term, short-term, which is interesting and exciting to me. Talk a little bit about how someone who's so technically focused can make a transition like that, because I'm sure a lot of our viewers want to do that. They want to become leaders in the industry. They want to do the stuff that you're doing, but they're also heavily technical. So talk about your personal experience in making that transition. And what it is, um, you know, for me, it's it's more of a, a natural leader in terms of um, my skill set, leading in all facets of my life. Um, I used to be the captain of several soccer teams. I used to captain my chess team and also a community leader as well in terms of the most of the mission trip that I do. And I have a nonprofit foundation as well. So that's something that I always like to do in terms of like to lead, even on projects is the moment I started healthcare, it's that general uh, you know, tendency to try to take the lead and try to lead my troops um, to the finishing line. If it's uh, through a project submission or project completion, that's something that I enjoy doing. So on a bigger aspect of really pushing to leadership and where I am is understanding that technical part is the first part of doing it. So understanding the, you know, the drivers, understanding what we need to do in terms of requirements, especially with the healthcare space. It's much more technical in terms of the requirements than a commercial space. So understanding that helped me in terms of my transition. As I said, I did do a master's. I actually did a lot of leadership training within the firm as well to prepare me for a position like this. It's something that if you truly want to go into leadership, it's really trying to understand all aspects of the work and, and not, I would say, don't, don't pigeonhole yourself. You know, try to not only concentrate on your discipline, concentrate you know, on trying to learn all the discipline and well and how discipline interrelate and how you're able to, to navigate the whole space of delivering um, projects and really also by expansion, understanding your clients that you're working for, understanding how to relate to them, understanding how to meet their needs. And demands at times because, you know, sometimes it's really a demanding field uh, to be in. Working hard, putting in the effort and making sure that the company that you're at is giving you management and leadership training to, to prepare you for the position that, that I'm at now um, doing. Really takeaway from that for me is that 
if you want to be a good leader, even project manager and project management is you have to understand all the different aspects of the projects that you're working on. And I think sometimes to your point, what happens as a younger engineering professional, you might get into a technical niche, you might really learn everything about that. But then when you're asked to kind of look at things from a broader perspective, it becomes a little bit difficult, right? Because you don't have the knowledge that you need to interact with another discipline or a client that's good advice. If you're someone who wants to be a real leader in the industry, don't get me wrong, you're going to start in a certain technical field. I mean, we all do. But at some point in time, you're going to want to branch out. You're going to want to talk to different people. I've even seen some firms where they have rotational programs that can be really valuable where you get to go in a couple different divisions or departments to learn different things. Because really, when you're managing a project, people look at you for answers. It doesn't matter if it's your technical background or not. Like You've got to come to the table with answers. And I think also what Gary said, yes, it's good for you to like have some leadership instinct inside of you and want to lead people in projects, but you also need some support and development because there's parts of leadership that you may be instinctual to you, but there's parts that you just have to learn. And I think the good firms out there are going to give you that training. They're going to support you in that field. Sometimes you have to ask for it and kind of voice what your goals are within your company. But I think at the end of the day, becoming that well-rounded leader can help you in project management, can help you in Gary's stage where he's beyond that now, managing a division, overseeing a division. That's definitely an important message. And when we get into like talk about project management a little more, Gary, I think one of the things that I would imagine is something that's really, really complex in what you do is thinking about like resource management. Talk about resource management a little bit for those that are kind of new PMs or learning about project management. Especially, you know, and talking about it as part of delivering a project, we can't understate how much resource management is and how much it means um, to a project. It's bringing the right people, you know, to the project, you know, that's the first instant, but also making sure that the right people are brought in at the right time. And that's um, in order for the process to be streamlined, you have to make sure that you're not overloading your project. You're making sure that um, the resources that you have is the exact resource that you need at the time. And in walking through the design, the project management of a, a healthcare project, you have different phases of design, you know, the schematic design development on to construction document and to construction administration. What you want to do is to make sure that you're not overstressing any part of your job in terms of resources. SD is going to be your upfront, you know, experts, your, your technical experts who's going to set out that conceptual design for your project. And then your design development is really bringing in more folks at that time who are going to do, you know, some of the production. Construction design is just straight production, but also making sure that the quality of your documentation is there as well. So you have to have some technical expert making sure that your quality control process is part of the whole design aspect of what you do. And it follows from, from start to finish. For your construction administration, you're delivering your project, you're in the field, you're making sure that everything that you design is implemented. So it's making sure that you have the right team who are detail-oriented enough to make sure that they go through all the submittals and, and go through all the, the RFIs and, and making sure that they're doing their due diligence and um in really putting together, making sure that the stuff, you know, the item that you design and and making sure that some of the stuff that you do are not impediment to the construction process also, because as we understand now, you know, there's a severe challenges with projects because of obtaining equipment. It's really a challenge now. So as, you know, engineers and as designers, we have to make sure that our process is extremely streamlined so we don't hold up process in any way because that will be delaying the project that can cost you and cost the owner um, some tremendous time. That's something that we do. Um, there's design assist process and other delivery process that will push you to tweak how you bring the different staff because 
it depends on if it's a traditional design build bill you know you have a traditional process in terms of ramping up your staff but if it's a design assist you might have to have more staff come to the project at the start so it varies from project to project and it depends on the project delivery that you're actually doing as well for those of you out there kind of new to project management you're not familiar with resource management or resource loading some people might call it essentially like if you're estimating a budget for your project and you're assuming like hey Gary and Anthony are going to be working on my project this is what their rates are but you don't realize that like Gary and Anthony are going to be busy working on other projects when the project comes through so now you're stuck using people that have higher rates let's say than us that's resource management you got to make sure that if you're counting on people to work on a project that they're available to work on the project and also a really good point that Gary makes what about like construction equipment right or things that also that you're relying on if you're telling your client I'm getting the project done by this time are you sure that you're going to be able to get the equipment on with some of the supply chain issues we have going on right now so there's a lot that goes into that as a project manager and I think with covid and everything it's kind of made things a little more complex in terms of scheduling and resource management so you really have to kind of be on top of that and I would imagine even paying a little bit more attention to that and so that's something that you can really think about I mean it's exciting it's interesting it's challenging but it's definitely a big part of project management. So Gary, when you're working on projects or overseeing projects, what are some of the things that you might do to try to motivate and engage your team throughout the project? Because these projects can go on for long periods of time. Typical, I'm working on, on IU Health, and that will be a seven-year project with a tremendous you know, staff, tremendous amount of resources that are you know, deployed on this project throughout the whole phases. But one of the things that we try to do is at the start of each meeting, whether it's in person or, or, or virtual, we have icebreakers, different icebreakers to really help, help us to move our minds, um, you know, differently, separate from actually the, the design process and really just start talking about life and talking about stuff that you're doing, enjoy the things that you're doing and really um, giving you the opportunity to really just have a voice and, and speak something separate apart from projects, but also making sure that you have a lot of team building effort. And that should be separate, you know, from working. It's doing um, events and it's um, go extra and, you know, per se, or if you want to go, um, we actually just did some miniature golf. And those are some, you know, bowling, whatever it is. We need to, um, and one of the things is that you have to understand is that working on a long project really require a lot of effort when trying to make sure that you do a lot of team and activities and making sure that your staff is motivated, making sure that you're speaking to your staff also understanding the challenges that they're going through, understanding, finding out where they can, you know, you can actually help them and, and where you can bring folks to just try to assist them as they go along, but also try to give people some respite, some rest. If there's a, a big submission, we would have a, a celebratory um, event after lunch, bring out the team to lunch. And, and, and those are some of the stuff that the staff appreciate. And also, you know, highlighting you know, some great achievement within your team as well and, and, and providing rewards if it's financial or, or extra uh, PT or extra day off. Those are some of the stuff that we do um, to continue to, to push the team. It's varied. What we do is varied, but um, it's actually needed. It, sometimes it has to be personal, but also to expand it to a lot of group efforts. And that does help the morale of the team and making sure that we're sticking to our task. And, and we're also having fun while, while delivering these tough projects for the next seven years, especially for IU Health. We're not robots, right? And you can't just keep doing work day after day after day, being productive, being billable. All that's great. But at the end of the day, these are the people that you're probably with these people more than you're with your family at some points in time, right? So you need to get to know them because they're kind of your work family. They're kind of people that you're going to live with on a daily basis. 
And so I think doing things like Gary recommended to try to make sure that get to know people beyond just, hey, you're going to help me do this on the project. You're going to help me do this drawing can really you know forge an important bond. And at the end of the day, seven-year project is a tremendous amount of time to be spending with people and a tremendous amount of time to be spending on one project. You got to keep things exciting and interesting and engaging for people so they want to show up each day to be part of the team. And so those are some good points there. Healthcare is an industry that obviously is critically important. There's been a lot of eyes on it the last few years with COVID and everything that's gone on. Why is leadership development so important in healthcare? You know, what type of leadership is needed in healthcare? Maybe you could talk about that for some of the engineers out there interested in that industry. It's funny. I always say I bumped into to healthcare as a profession, but it's something that I'm glad I, I bumped into because it really connect my passion as we we're talking about, but the mission of, of delivering health, you know, to population that, that needs it. But leadership is, is so important, especially in healthcare. Going through the pandemic has caused us to double down on leadership because, you know, the supply chain efforts, you know, to really um, get facility up, uh, continue the continuation of healthcare facility during that challenging time, making sure that we're treating um, the COVID uh, patients, but also making sure that the other patients in the hospital, you know, are taken care of as well was indeed challenge. And, and this really pushed a lot of the facility folks to really think different, really to push their, their, you know, most of their leadership quality. And they did step up a whole lot and really delivered. But also leadership in, in design is extremely important because during the pandemic, it really caused us to realize that the U.S. healthcare system is not as resilient enough to handle something like a full airborne pandemic. We're glad, you know, we're happy that it wasn't a full airborne, but it was challenging enough to threaten that a lot of life that was lost, but also the potential, you know, it could have been worse if the health system um, didn't hold up. But what we're doing now and, and what we're pushing to do as leaders is, is really making sure that the facilities that we now design will be ready for the next pandemic. We don't know when it will come, but we're making sure that we're making good design decisions. And that takes leadership. That takes talking to your clients and really holding their hands and sometimes really push them, you know, especially with these budget challenges that we're having with projects. You know, they're hard conversations, but we have to take the lead in making sure that we're making the right decisions because when the next pandemic um, arises, we want to make sure that our healthcare system are resilient enough and are, and are ready to meet, you know, whatever um, challenges that are posed during the tough times. The one thing that you mentioned that I think is important for our viewers to remember as a good project manager, as a good leader, you not only need to think about your client, which for example, might be a healthcare company, but you have to think about the end user of your projects, which like Gary mentioned is the patients in the hospital. How are you helping them? How is your design, you know, making sure that everyone can get treated in the right amount of time? So that's, I think, what's one of the exciting things about project management is there's so many different things to think about. And while it can be stressful, sure. It's also exciting and challenging. And if you have a good team, like sounds like Gary does, you can really tackle these projects together, which is awesome. So one of the key goals of project managers is to get their projects done on time and on budget. And I know we could talk about that forever on your types of projects, but what are some of the key drivers or the big things that you see that are important for PMs to make sure they can deliver their projects on time and budget? Yeah. So schedule is extremely important. Maintaining and managing your schedule. So you know, for us, we try to do pool planning on all stages of our project just to make sure that we're delivering on time and making sure that our precedents are sorted and making sure our team understands those deadlines as well. So what we do as a, as a part of a project submission is really identifying different milestones and looking at milestones as and also making sure that we backtrack those milestones to when we want to bring our, our quality control 
And although they're part of the whole process, but you want to have your quality control, final quality control check before you send out um, those projects um, to your client. That will, will make sure that you're meeting your schedule, but also making sure that you're bringing the right staff. One of the things that we do also is make revenue. We need to um, to make money. That's something that we want to make sure that that's a part of what we do. So managing costs is extremely important. Managing how much staff and, and the resources and the and bring them to the project, you know, on the right time to make sure that we're not overstressing our the fees that we're getting from these projects. But also making sure that we're managing the risk, you know, throughout in terms of design risk, but also managing your stakeholders and your clients because sometimes. You will be asked to do um, items that are not part of the scope. You have to make sure that, you know, you talk to the your design, your project managers and making sure that this is a, there's a specific method of actually getting that done so that you could get the change order and have additional time if you needed. So you have to make sure that this is documented, make sure that um, you go through the right approval process to um, to get this done as well. So it's it's really managing a whole aspect. It's managing the, you know, your schedule, it's managing your resources and you know in the right way, managing your clients just to make sure that they don't add too much change order so that that will affect the delivery of your of, of your project and really try to motivate your team also just to make sure that they stay motivated and that will help you to deliver the project on time. So it's really a, a confluence of different activities, but it's really for you as a, as a leader just to make sure that you're fully um, abreast of everything that's taking place and, and making sure that you're managing all the constraints within the projects as well. And if you're new to project management, these milestones, you can think of them as like progress points along your project. For example, maybe you have to submit plans and specifications at 30% completion and then maybe 60%, 90%. And it gives you and your team something to work towards, get to that point and then kind of reset yourself and see where you're at. And there's a lot that goes into it. You know, We're going to cover some of these different topics on different episodes like the schedule and the milestones and things of that nature. But at the end of the day, again, to Gary's point, like there's just a lot of things to manage and something like a schedule can kind of make sure that you keep all these things on track and give you like a good point of reference or a baseline that you can use as a project manager to make sure you're hitting those targets. I got one more question for you in this segment here, Gary, talking about training. You mentioned the importance of leadership training, project management training. As a leader, how do you ensure that your people are kind of getting the right training that they need? What does that look like for you? You can't on this. Train is one of the most important part of what what I do. For any um, young engineers or or young project managers coming in, in the industry, we have to make sure whatever company that you're a part of, make sure that they have a good educational setup. So in, in WSP, and we just acquired KW as well, we have WSP, uh, what we call WSP University. K, you know, we're, we're doing some work with KW, and we're calling it KW University as well. We bought that, that company as a data um, center company. We even have chancellor, <laughs> appoint chancellors and, and dean of education as part of our, you know, so we're showing that we're extremely serious about what we're doing. We have training and development coordinators who work with um, the team to deliver both technical training. So they train our, our senior staff or subject matter expert to teach um, you know, these topics. And we have webinars, we have live trainings. And these um, are structured training from the, the inception of, of starting the company to when you're um, even a continuation of training when you're a senior engineer, just to make sure that you keep aware of all the codes and the guidelines and all the changes that takes place. So I can't stress it enough that training education, we have to make that that commitment uh, to get it done and companies need to make the investments. As a senior engineer and, and a senior leader, I can't stress um, 
maybe if you look at my name, it looked like alphabet soup because there's so much letters behind it. But I make sure that uh, continuous learning is an important part of what I do. If I want to be a project manager, PMP certification is a must, but also a continuation of learning so that you could get your credits also that will keep you fresh also and keep you um, abreast with, with new technology, with new ideas. That, that's something that in our profession, it's extremely essential. So educational and, and training, and we do at WSP, we get training even, you know, it's funny, I'm, I'm getting some emails that I have some training that's due. So they, they do prompt you as well because you're, you're on a schedule and it, it keeps you um, fresh and keep you ahead of the curve um, in, in terms of in your job. So we can't understate that enough that uh, training and education should be important part of any um, job or any project management job, any company that you try to make sure that you try to do your research and that they have that. And if they don't, you have to ask for it. One thing you said that's really important is that consistency or continuous improvement, continuous education. I mean, we do a lot of PM training at EMI and we're always seeing like someone say, hey, I became a project manager like seven years ago and I got my training and I haven't done anything since. And I mean, listen, like this is an industry where things are changing like every day, things are getting updated, there's new challenges. So you need to continue to build your PM skills throughout the lifetime as a project manager, not just when you start as a PM. And I think that that's something that's really important to stress. Because if you're not getting better, you're not going to be able to serve your clients better. And that's the whole point of what we do, especially in the consulting world. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to ask Gary for his biggest PM pitfall and how we can avoid it. We'll be right back. All right. We are back at the Engineering Project Management Podcast with Gary Hamilton, Senior Vice President and USA Healthcare Director at WSP. And we talked about a lot of stuff today, Gary, related to project management. But what I want to ask you now is what's kind of the biggest project management pitfall that you've seen in managing all the project that you've managed and some recommendations for how to overcome or avoid this pitfall? I talked about it earlier. It's really managing expectations. And that's... um on every side, it's looking at um, all the stakeholders as, as part of your project and making sure that you're managing them closely and understanding where they are, understanding how to meet you know, their requirements. One of the things that I'm great at and what I push to do is making sure that I understand my clients, understand their needs, understand their vision and what they're trying to achieve. And this is a continuous process because it changes throughout the projects as well. And that's something that we don't understand. Sometimes at the side of the project, there is a, a vision that they want to achieve and you sit and you try to document those visions and halfway through that vision change. It's not on them. It's really on them realizing that some of the ideas that I was thinking um, maybe were over the top or maybe they were not in, in sync with my organization is um, thinking. And also maybe because of some internal changes that, that occur within that user group um, that you have when you're putting together that program and, and also putting together that project charter that you're using for the project. It's really making sure that the communication path or the precedence is set um, in terms of talking to um, you know, your clients, making sure that you continue that conversation straight through the project. Have your cadence of meetings um, with all your stakeholders, making sure that your documentation is, is in sync with what they require, making sure that you're having regular reviews you know, before you um, document your final product. So that's something that I would say it's my, you know, one of the initially what I, you know, as I say in my past experience is that I would assume that the, you know, when I get the initial um, outlay for my client, 
he determined his vision, I articulate it and, and, and put it back to him in writing. That's it. You know, that's what I'm going to deliver at the end of the project. But that's in a tough way that that's not the case. It really helped me to understand and really push me to really have better conversation and, and continuous communication with our clients just to making sure that vision, there's a living vision that, that can change, but also that I'm keeping that conversation and making sure that we're adjusting just to, to meet, you know, those um, new requirements as well. And really, at the end of the day, you know, your job as a project manager is to meet the expectations of your client, and you can't meet those expectations unless you know what they are. And to Gary's point, they may change, but as long as you have like an open conversation with that person around their expectations on a regular basis, then you can make sure you're meeting those. And I think that that applies even from a project manager to their team members, right? Like your team members need to understand what your expectations are for them in terms of project management and leadership. And it really expectations are something that are really important in terms of growth for someone as a leader, as a project manager. So once again, Gary Hamilton, WSP. Gary, I want to thank you so much for spending some time with us here on the Engineering Project Management Podcast. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Anthony. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Gary Hamilton. He is one of the premier PMs out there. And to have him share some of his wisdom around project management and his experiences, I found to be really valuable for myself, and I hope that you enjoyed it as well. Please remember you can find the show notes for this episode at www.engineeringpmpodcast.com. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the other resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. And remember, if you're interested in project management training for your soon-to-be new or existing project managers, give us a call at the Engineering Management Institute. We have our own programs. We also can build a custom program for you. We're at 800-920-4007. That's 800-920-4007. Or you could visit our website at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Until next time, I wish you the best in all your engineering project management endeavors. Thank you.